Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of spoiler specials dedicated to the first live action Star Wars TV show, The Mandalorian. And in particular, this episode is dedicated to the latest episode, Chapter 7, The Reckoning. Oh, how exciting. It is a belter of an ep. And uh, joining me to discuss this over the next 45 minutes to an hour or so are three of the finest Ugnaughts, former shock troopers and reprogrammed killer droids. I know you can guess which one is which, obviously. Helen <laughs> uh, O'Hara. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Ben Travis. Hello. And James Dyer. He's the reprogrammed killer droid. James is the Thank reprogrammed you. Thank you. Thank killer you droid. That. In case that wasn't clear, James <laughs> is the reprogrammed killer droid. Does that um, make me the Ugnaught? I don't yes. quite know how I feel about that. <laughs> Ellen is the badass former shock trooper, Ben. You are the brave, loyal, and sensitive Ugnaught who has a skill with his hands. And you have a skill with your hands in a writing, Ben. You write yes. with your hands. Also, he okay. did a, a literal take on like MTV Cribs in this one by literally making a crib. Uh, so that was quite exciting. Well, I was asking a few weeks ago, wasn't I? I was saying they junked Baby Yoda's crib. There's going to be have to be an episode where they make a new one. And it finally <laughs> happened. Hey! Yep. <laughs> yep. But he's so cute when he's walking along, though. Oh, sort of toddling know. in the background. Oh, there's so much good the- Baby Yoda stuff in this one. I can't wait to dig into it. <laughs> Is that one of those sequences where like, there's like a Brian Herring who's been airbrushed out, who's doing the little walkie bits? Because that wasn't CG Yoda, was it? That was a little walkie puppet Yoda. It looked like yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It'd be great if they just forgot to airbrush the guy out one of these days and there's <laughs> just randomly a bloke dressed entirely in a green leotard <laughs> just appears behind Baby Yoda. Uh, but anyway, it is a cracking ep, but there's a lot to talk about. Uh, so quick synopsis. So uh, Mando receives a message that Grief Karga sent him in last week's episode. Uh, which I had assumed was an old message, but is actually a new message. Uh, and Grief Karga, played, of course, by Carl Weathers, star of Unlandable 2, colon, upgrade, colon, holding pattern with Carl Weathers, uh, proposes a deal that might see Mando's troubles ended once and for all. If Mando returns to Dave Navarro with Baby Yoda and kills Ferner Herzog, as himself, all will be forgiven. Needless to say, Mando doesn't trust Grief Karga, and he picks up Cara Dune, but not in that way. He picks up Queel, but not in that way. And he picks up IG-11, definitely not in that way, along the way for a bit of backup. And after a couple of double crosses, one which was expected, one which was unexpected, the episode ends with a new bad guy in town in the shape of Moff Gideon. Boo to you, Moff Gideon. Uh, Mando, Cara Dune, and Grief are pinned down by dozens of stormtroopers and Queel is seemingly dead it would appear that he has spoken for the last time whoa no. blimey guys what an ep dun 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 yeah, yeah we're in the end game one. now mm. <laughs> <laughs> 10 stars <laughs> what did you think of this one I really enjoyed it it does feel very much like the first of a two-parter because really good good stuff happens the whole way through, but then it sort of, it leaves you on a cliffhanger, like absolutely on a cliffhanger. Not literally, but in every other way that matters. Um, we Our heroes are surrounded, outgunned, outnumbered, outmanned. Oh my God, it's Hamilton. And, um, <laughs> and there was reckoning to be reckoned. Oh my God! It's all Hamilton. But yeah, this is this is um, this is exciting stuff. But it does leave you absolutely slavering for next week. Mm. And I think after the last couple of weeks of standalone episodes, it was nice then to tie all of that back into the main plot and with Mando sort of assembling his Avengers to to head into the end game. Um, we'll see if there's any portals next week. Yeah, going back and picking up Karajun, getting the whole gang together. It was nice to see all these slightly disparate threads from across the series be pulled together. Mm, the reunion episode. I quite like that, the kind of gathering of the clans bit where you see the tether match, uh, where she's fighting a Zabrak like Darth Maul. Uh, there you go. Oh, yeah. The one who's not tattooed. And one who's not tattooed, that's right. Uh, and then you see IG-11 having his physical therapy. That's quite entertaining. Um, yes. And I, lo- I love the bit when he goes to pick up uh, Queel and he's like, the Blurgs will join me as well. He's like, the Blurgs? I have spoken. <laughs> he's just storms like, they are and fucking coming. Cut <laughs> to like, Blurgs sure. on the ship. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I feel like we missed a bit where he had to shovel the Blurg, presumably the 
blurg shit out of the ship when they yeah. land. Like I felt I actually almost wanted to see that in a weird way. I just wanted acknowledgement of that for some reason. Well, presumably they would just go in a massive fact tube, wouldn't they? That's I guess. how we, we now learn that people go to the toilet in Star Wars. They need to be quite well trained, I would think. Mm. I still I've still many questions about the fact tube, but... Uh, Maybe for another podcast. We, we don't want to repeat it last week's Predator flashlight business. No, we don't. Dragging this thing into the gutter from, from minute one. Um, I thought this was an absolutely terrific episode. It's interesting that uh, because of Grief Karga's message, it, that was in last week's episode. Does that make Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, the only episode that you could remove from this show and it doesn't affect the overall narrative? So, for example... Episode four, he meets Cara Dune for the first time. So that's mm -hmm. kind of important. Mm -hmm. But chapter five, unless, of course, Fennec Shand comes back into it at some point, as has been speculated, that's the only one you could just take that out and then not, not miss a bump in the road. But I think, you, I mean, you could take out the one after that as well, though, couldn't you, really, the prisoner? Because well, we see the recording at the beginning of this one, like, we're totally, you don't need it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the only little thing. But also, mm. I think last week's was important in terms of... We didn't discuss this in last week's episode, uh, actually. Uh, last week's was important, I think, in kind of bringing Mando to the end of his tether in terms of, you know, I'm not running anymore because look what I'm reduced to. Look at the jobs I'm reduced to taking. I'm reduced to going to Tatooine and elbowing in someone's deal and being double-crossed and shot at. And uh, now I'm reduced to working with these space pirates. This is the only job I can get because I can't do anything that's guild-affiliated and I have to work with these arseholes. And I know they're going to double-cross me. It's just a question of when. And I, I can't do this anymore. So I have to stop running. I have to take the fight to them. Of course, then slightly lucky, slightly coincidental that Grief Cargo reaches out at the exact same time. But I think so last week's was important in that way. Yeah, I can see that. I yeah. can see that. I think, um, yeah, I feel like that stuff is there to read into, even if it's not necessarily spelled out. I think there would be something satisfying in that if they sort of gave you something to go on there. But um, yeah, I can see that that's part of what brings him back to try and finish this thing once and for all. Mm. So you think he's basically a man of too few words, Ben? <laughs> yeah. Maybe he more should, yeah. words would be good. He should do, he should do a reverse uh, Mel Gibson in uh, Mad Max and go, go, go over the script adding lines in, rather than <laughs> crossing stuff out. He should maybe do that. But it's interesting, like even the cold open of this, where he sees, where he receives Grief Karga's message, he doesn't say anything. It's all body language. It's all communicated through through the helmet. And that's really interesting. He's not a guy who's much given to uh, monologuing or uh, soliloquizing. Uh, that's what know. makes him so so dangerous, though, because, you know, nobody's going to catch him monologuing. Uh, <laughs> and so that's why he's so effective as a bounty hunter. They can't escape yeah. while he's monologuing. He can't twirl his moustache anyway, even if he has one. We know Pedro Pascal has one, but does Mando have one? Because, bang, he keeps banging off his helmet. We need to wait for them to release the uh, that the William Shakespeare presents the Mandalorian book. You know where they do the Shakespearean iterations <laughs> of the screenplays. So I remember when uh, when Han Solo dies, spoiler, and uh, Chewie just goes, <laughs> and then they have a little asterisk, and he has this massive three page soliloquy saying what Han meant to him. Like that's translated from the Chirawook. So I think we'll have something similar here. Like Mando nods his head, asterisk, and it'll be a whole big thing explaining the inner turmoil that's going through him, separated from the guild. Would read. Exit Did you know there's a by Blark. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know there's a Deadpool Shakespeare comic as well? Anyway, I would recommend not. that while we're all here. Yeah, written it's by Shakespeare. Shake yeah. I, I believe so. Yes, he I mean, really was Chris, ahead of his time. We all know Shakespeare did not write his plays. <laughs> yeah, I saw this documentary called Anonymous. Well, Shakespeare as well had this whole thing for breaking the fourth wall, didn't he? Everybody was talking to the audience. That was his whole bag. That's true, place. yeah. Yeah. Um I mean yeah. less like nut jokes and like Well quite I mean fights. more nut jokes than you think there are. You know, if you do a really close reading of those plays, there's quite a lot of sex jokes. I feel like it's possible we've gotten off track with the Mandalorian, but really <laughs> go read Shakespeare, he's great. Or better, watch him. He's much better. Yeah, watch him, because re reading them is very difficult. Yeah, reading them is hard. Ten things I hate about you, that's all you that, need. Yeah, that's that's what you need. Yeah. yeah. Right, anyway, back to this week's regularly scheduled Mandalorian programming. Uh, this is a cracking episode, and I, I think not least because it 
finally pulls together all the threads of the of the previous weeks. And I love that we get to see we get to return very briefly at least to some of the planets. Uh Ar- Arfala seven, where Quill lives, Sorgan where Carrot June is hiding out, and of course we end the episode on Dave Navarro. What do you guys think of that stuff? Planet hopping. I mean, it's nice to go back to all these things, but it, it makes it, the, the reason I think this episode works for a couple of reasons. I think one, as you say, it draws the threads together. It feels like we weren't wasting time on these other planets, like we were sowing the seeds which have now come to fruition. Uh, but also, I think after three standalone kind of semi procedural episodes, I think anything that advances the plot feels momentous. Mm. So it's like it's like we've been in a holding pattern for a while, and now we're going in, and you know, and it, the velocity of this it moves pretty quickly, and you go straight from this and obviously into the next one, uh, mm. and and you, I mean, there's a real feeling, certainly with the introduction of Gus Fring, which was an unexpected <laughs> turn of events, the intergalactic <laughs> branch of Los Pollos Hermanos. Um, you know, you you new character, new threats. You feel that some, you know, that we're going somewhere, and of course, there are two shocking deaths in this episode as well so i mean they're not fucking about we'll, we'll talk about those in, in a second but first of all the the gus fring uh, cameo unexpected tying this in as you said james to the breaking bad and better call Saul universe it's canon uh, it is canon laser canon i think you'll find um, <laughs> but that's interesting now is this good or bad television making in in that this is a show made by john favreau who has never apart of course from the chef show and, and dinner for five and all that sort of stuff has never made a narrative tv show before and in some ways that's a good thing because it means he's unfettered by convention in some ways maybe it's a bad thing and i'm struggling to think of a show that introduces what i'm assuming is a big bad in the penultimate episode. Now, should we have met Moff Gideon beforehand? Are we happy with the fact that this character has remained in the shadows? Assuming that, mm. I'm guessing that might have been him at the end of chapter five, by the way. Um, but you don't I, think so? I, I don't believe that to be the case, but who that is at the end of chapter five is not concretely revealed. In, so theoretically it could be, but I don't believe it was. Who do you think it was then? Uh, well, there are many, many theories about, you know, everything from Boba Fett to other bounty hunters it's to whatnot. Not, no, I don't think it is either, but there's a strong fan contingent saying that he's clearly, you know, in a Patton Oswalt way, has crawled his way out of the Sarlacc over the course of many years and <sighs> is now pissed. Uh, but yeah, it's not that. Um, I don't know. I think it's someone we'll be introduced to in season two, to be honest. I don't, mm. I don't think it was Gideon. It, was, it doesn't, you know, when you see, if you look at, the boots and he has a makes a very distinctive clanking sound when he walks I say, hey, could be a she could be a mm. she uh or an it um you know so we'll see <laughs> but uh but i think we can't talk too much about whether this is a good move introducing gideon without getting into spoilers for the next episode all right um, which i haven't seen which so you haven't seen and we can't okay. assume that everyone else has seen it but i think it's a fairly it's a time-honored tradition isn't it to do the kind of rug pull oh you thought that was the big bad oh no 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 this is the big bad mm. and i like the way the the big bad is killed by the bigger bad it's nice there's always a bigger <laughs> fish uh you know it's that feels very star wars to me and i think it's great i mean let's put aside the fact why the fuck did he kill you know moff Werner? like that seemed a little bit harsh and i'm not entirely sure what his motivation was there um since it felt very much like herzog maybe worked for him so mm. I, I don't know quite what was going on there yeah i feel like there could have been maybe like a hint of him earlier like a I, I don't remember like Werner Herzog being on the phone to anybody <laughs> in the earlier episodes. Do you know what I mean? So if you had had him reporting in earlier, I feel like you would have got more of a sense of okay, there's someone else lurking, mm. um, and like and that might have made it feel slightly less um, abrupt. But at the mm. same time, I feel like they're not in- presumably introducing this guy just for two episodes. This is presumably a bigger bad going forward and if that's the case then the timing makes a lot more sense you sort of you're setting him up at the end of this season and maybe mm. he'll be bigger going into next i don't know i assume but um but that way the timing would make more sense to me for and sure you can tell he's a bigger threat because he has much cleaner stormtroopers yeah. he does and many and he more has a of lot them. of them he does yeah also like- answering the time the age-old question how do tie fighters land in atmosphere uh, we've never seen that happen before, have we? So that's that's pretty cool. Foldy wings. Yeah, because when you um, see them racked up, they're normally sort of held on sort of like clasp things. But I'm sure we've seen them sitting, you know, frankly look thoroughly unstable on their little, mm. whatever you call them, the side D- panels. We saw that in Rise of Skywalker, didn't we? Because we see in the background um, Kylo Spider-Man. Ren's yeah. fighter, TIE fighter. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, Helen. There are only two sequel movies <laughs> what is this no we're not Very doing that we're not we're not crystal sculling this film it exists 
Um, in, in terms of bringing in Moff Gideon just before the end, it feels like it fits into the whole thing that the Mandalorian's been doing all along, which is that it's a TV show that isn't really presented like a TV show. It doesn't have B-plots. You're basically just with Mando pretty much the entire way. Um, and I've really enjoyed the just general unfolding of the story. It, it starts, because it feels very contained in the sense that you go into the episode and it tells you what you need to know and it gradually unfolds from there rather than overloading you with stuff that you don't need to know yet and then that paying off further down the line. Do you know what I mean? Everything mm -hmm. that we see, even the standalone episodes, they are told as their own adventures rather than just the precursor to everyone coming together now. This is also, again, it, it feels very Western-y once mm. again, in the yeah. sense that we end up with our heroes in a, well, a saloon, basically, surrounded by hostile troops, um, pinned down, yeah. and with no obvious hope of rescue. It's Butch and uh, so Sundance, isn't it? It's Butch and Sundance, yeah. It's the Gatling gun in Which is the Bunch and, uh, and the Magnificent Seven remake. And young guns. Yeah. Basically, if you're in a Western, you have a Gatling gun, or in this case, a TIE fighter and a, and a team of... What are what are those things? The, the death, death troopers. troopers. Mm. They death From Rogue troopers. One. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, there are a few nods in this. There's the death troopers, which we've never seen outside of Rogue One. And then also, I don't know if you noticed this, or Ben won't, because he was decades away from being born at the time but uh when the stormtroopers arrive they're in an imperial troop transport which is a mm. direct copy of the toy way 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 back when from the early 80s that came out and i had that toy and it was a little stormtrooper transport and you could slot the stormtroopers in the side there were little buttons on the top and when you press them i think c3po said some stuff the stormtroopers said some stuff so they had little sound things but they copied that toy and this is the cunning part they copied that toy for the show and then re-released the toy because of course they had as a sort of Mandalorian special edition as part of the vintage collection. Uh, so, you know. They are sneaky. They man. are sneaky. sneaky. They are sneaky. tremendous. But it, I saw it and I was like, oh, I love that. That was mine. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I would have been so, so jealous of your toy collection. I had to go to my friend Dario's house. Hello, Dario. And, uh, and play with all of his... Uh, Star Wars toys because I didn't have any of my well, own. What actually happened was one day after school, my mum said, oh, we're going round to one of the older boys from school's house because he's having a, a Star Wars sale. And I'm Okay, fine. So we went to his house and we went to his living room and he had everything and i mean everything and it was a bun fight and like the kids from school with their parents were there and it was just like buy everything so people were just sweeping up armfuls of shit and i got darth vader's tie fighter i got that i think i got an atat possibly oh. an x-wing a load of figures including greedo who was quite rare at the time and just loads of them and i, I have no idea what it cost my mom but i remember her getting right that's enough and i'm like no i must have it all <laughs> and obviously we just bought whatever we could afford but it was uh, yeah he had a complete i mean he's probably kicking himself now it would have been worth a for oh fortune God. but he must have had almost all the toys and he just had a big old fire oh sale. Do, do you still have any of it? I've still got the Atat in the loft. And uh, and uh, people who are slightly old will remember this. There was a point where you could send off to get a Darth Vader's helmet Star Wars figure case, which sort of opens up and all the little figures go in their little slots inside the helmet. I've still got that helmet full of figures. But it's a slightly random selection of figures that have survived. Like there's a wicket in there. I think cheap chirpers in there. I've got a little princess oh layer without God. the little robes. None of them have got the little lightsaber bits. So they're not in good without, condition. Without but, wishing to go full Stuart McConey here, you've just reminded me that there, that I've just remembered that, that you could, if you collected, not necessarily just Star Wars, but say Action Force yeah. or Cobra. It was figures, a thing, wasn't it? If you got, yeah, if you collected like 10, you got a, a token yeah. in each one and then you would and you send, send off, them off and they would send you something else. And I've just remembered, I got this massive digression. There was an action <laughs> man figure do. and it was like this black alien guy in a coat in a robe and he had like a power sword and a visor and I got it and on Christmas day I opened it up and I was gutted because in the pack his sword was missing and he had no visor which is clearly part of his thing and there was a little little token in it that you had to send off so you got the toy and it came incomplete and you had to send off for the extra bits like what the fuck is that all about clearly I'm still quite traumatized by this experience because <laughs> it has lodged in my mind but yeah it must have been an my, my only retro Star Wars toy is a... I've got minifigures from 1999 of, of Jar Jar Binks and Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, which, it, but that's the thing, it's 20, over 20 years mm. old now, oh, which is mad. It but is they, technically vintage, yeah. They're in the office, so I'm worried that by the time we get back <laughs> and there's been a, like a corona purge, that my uh, my old Star oh, Wars toys oh, might no. have gone. Oh, I mean, no. I had the Ark of the Covenant in my desk. <laughs> it's gone. You know when when the, the when the you know when the outbreak thing happens and they drop the fuel air bomb on Camden, that will be the first place to go. 
how will Damn. we tell? Et cetera, exactly. Et cetera. <laughs> hey. uh, let's move back to the episode. Digression over. Um, uh, and the idea of Moff Gideon. And I loved that twist. I know it doesn't mm-hmm. make a lot of sense when you really apply <laughs> a little bit of logic and scrutiny to it. Well, yeah, but I because love that he, twist. He, sort of, he, he shoots the client, Werner Herzog, after Werner Herzog assures him he has the baby there, he has the child there, and Moff Gideon goes, are you sure, but? And at that point, he doesn't have the kid, so I don't understand why he's so certain that the client has been taken in by that at that point. Because if he, if he knew for sure, if he had the child at that point, it would totally make sense for him to kill his subordinate for you know being pathetic. But as, as things stand, he, he doesn't have the baby. It's weird. Also, the doctor's not there. So what what happens to the doctor? And it raises mm. questions about what he is planning to do with Baby Yoda if and when he gets his hands on the little nipper or the imp, as uh, as Mando insisted on calling him this week. No, the Period. imp is the Imperial. Imps, yeah, they're referring to the Imperials, yeah. Oh, I yeah. thought you said because he, he, a couple of times he, he, I'm sure he called him the imp. I mean, I literally just watched the episode before we started recording it, and so yeah, I, th- he... I thought he was referring to him as the imp, which I thought was a very, very nice little name uh, for the kid. And clearly, he hasn't got the Baby Yoda memo, but uh, I'm sure in time. The, also, that's the... an interesting thing. No one seems to know Yoda in this world, right? So well, in this episode, at least, they're they're looking at they're looking at Baby Yoda and they're going, "What is it? What can it do?" And no one says that looks like Yoda. But that, that but I think that makes sense. Me. Yeah. Hmm. Because Yoda was, has been in hiding for a long time, since the fall of the Republic, Yoda's been off the grid, deep, deep, deep undercover. And not that many people, I guess, would have been familiar with the members of the Jedi Council, much like I challenge you to name every member of the cabinet. Do you know what I mean? I think people probably, like, I don't know, maybe there was a green guy in there and a little green girl, I have no idea. <laughs> so we're saying, what we're saying, I, You're I guess- You're of course, is, to yaddle. Yeah. Dominic, yeah, we're saying that he's the, uh, he's the uh, Chris Grayling of the Jedi Council. No one really really knows what he does or understands why he's there. Back to the idea of Moff Gideon offing Ferner Herzog as himself, mm-hmm. just after Ferner Herzog has, I just presume, improvised a the most Ferner Herzog monologue. Well, on colonialism. Monologue. I see nothing but death and chaos. And it's like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> we're just we're just gonna keep the cameras rolling for it. You just say whatever comes into your head. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so he kills him, and I I have to say I love that bit because it felt really Godfather Three to me. Godfather Three has has really good. Moments. I will defend one, Godfather Three. Okay, one okay. of the best moments is whenever um, Eli Wallach's character, whose name escapes me, double crosses Michael, and they have the helicopter. Helicopter gunship appears outside the meeting of the five families or whatever it is, and massacres everybody except for Michael and uh, Andy Garcia. That's a great bit. And that reminded me of this as well, just the way that, you know, it was just a brutal kind of, what the fuck is, is happening here? Really, really cool. Mm, yeah, it is. Mm. It is good. I also like the. Uh, the I love that. Uh, that <laughs> Moff, uh, Moff, Moff Werner, as we should call him, is like, may I offer you a libation to mark the end of our shared narrative? And I just kept thinking of the last Boy Scouts, like they're being arrested by the Avenger of Scrabble. Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Who talks like that? <laughs> that was such a good line. My other favourite Werner bit this episode was, I would like to see the baby. I, I always yes. go into Arnie. I don't know why yeah. I always go into Arnie when I, I try and do Werner. Show me the child. But he does it immediately after that death and chaos. I see nothing but death and chaos. I would like to see the baby. Do you, do you have any pictures of the child? And grief God is like <laughs> grief God in the world's worst sort of like defense. Oh, unconvincing. <laughs> we just got him down to sleep. He's been grizzly all night. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he's teething. Does he have yeah. teeth? I don't know. But if he is, if he does, he's teething. Yeah, that was one of the deaths that James talked about. The uh, mm. the death of the client. He's gone. Werner Herzog is gone. But it looks like Queel is gone as well. Mm. Yeah. That was an emotional oh. kicker at the end of the episode, wasn't it? That was. Uh, it was really. It was. Yeah. It was beautifully done as well. I like that you didn't see it happen. You just saw them scoop up the child, and then you see the Blarg and Queel smouldering mm. in the desert, much like mm. Baru and Lars. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. He's he's not remotely as crispy fried as they were though. No. no. Uncloned and Aunt Beru. Yeah, that was that's that's properly traumatic. That is, but uh, yeah, but this is it was sad. Like, because you really think he's going to get to the ship, and then there's a point where you're like, oh, you're not going to make it, are you? Biker mm, scouts. I'm so close. Mm. He'd open the door. I know. I was expecting IG Eleven to pop out at that point and go, you know, in a you know very Taika voice, you know, take care of business. And but no, Queel Queel is gone. Yeah. And did they, 
Did the other two Blurgs actually die in the dragon attack earlier on? Yes. I See, guess they must have done, right? So here's the thing about the dragon attack. So in on Wikipedia, it says they're Minox. I take issue with that. I do not believe they are Minox. Not least of all, because Minox have only fucking teeth. But uh, but they, like, they seem like Minox are parasites. And I refer you to... Wikipedia, Minox, of course, being a species of these silicon-based bat-like parasites native to the planet Ord Minoc, and they chew on fucking power cables. They don't maul, you know, bounty hunters. So I'm unless worked. they're a weird... It does mention on Wikipedia that it's unusual that only certain species of Minoc are capable of surviving in atmospheres. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, because this is a this is an atmosphere that supports carbon-based life, so you wouldn't expect it to also support silicon-based life, right? I mean, Another very good point. Right? Yes. Uh, so I think maybe they're not, I mean, Minox, of course, are remotely related to Gralox and Tibides, uh, you know, large flying creatures native to Stygian Prime, uh, also a nuisance to star pilots. But uh, I digress. So this is, this is Wikipedia, not Wikipedia. So Wikipedia. This is not, this is, yeah, so Wikipedia, it? It, it, it calls the Minox in Wikipedia. I don't, uh, uh, if you look at the Minox entry in Wikipedia, it has not, does not mention anything apart from Empire Strikes Back that I can see. Yeah, that's um, the thing, because I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't officially come out and said what those creatures were. Uh, not least because, you know, you can get lots of toys out of that. <laughs> mm. But uh, that, that's kind of interesting, because I haven't really seen anything like that. They didn't They didn't remind me of Minox. No, they're quite big, clawed things. They're like beasties. They look yeah. more like um, also, Leonopteryxes, but smaller. Yes. They do, yes. They do, yeah. Uh, and, of course, they also have poison in mm. their claws and in their teeth as well. So I think the first blurg they just take, the second blurg they must maul it enough that it's just course, a, it's a write-off. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they, they wound Grieve Karga. Mm -hmm. uh, and that leads to force healing. Mm. The, the so, reveal of Baby Yoda's force healing abilities. So is this the episode that came out just before yes. Rise of Skywalker? Right. hugely cynically, given that they, these episodes just drop on a Friday, this one dropped on the Wednesday of that week so they could establish force healing as canon before a film that I've never heard of called Rise of something or other apparently came out <laughs> nothing to do with Star Wars uh, and uh, you know what I mean so they could establish the canon so they can get away with the healing of the snake but I mean force healing does make sense I think we discussed this in another spoiler special that we won't name but it, it does kind of feel like a thing that makes sense like in the same way that it does in the Robert Jordan books like healing seems like a thing you would be able to do it just makes Obi-Wan really callous it's like oh Master Qui-Gon you're dying I mean I don't care enough to heal you but it is quite sad Maybe he's not good at it. Maybe. Speaking of force powers, like Baby Yoda uses a force choke. Uh, and that's yes. quite, and that's a dark side power. So that's a bit like, okay, this has got morally murky all of a sudden. Mm. I Do have we, a theory on this. Go on. What's the theory? Um, well, my theory on this is uh, that Baby Yoda is not, he is pure at this point in time in terms of his abilities with the force. He, ha he has had no one teach him the concept of good and evil, uh, and I think there's a there's a thread that runs through this episode of nature versus nurture mm. that it, it, that pertains particularly to IG eleven. So you have the whole whole business of Queel reprogramming IG eleven and mm. Mando not trusting that at all because he thinks it's in his nature to be violent and to kill Baby Yoda, whereas Queel is like, no, 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 no. I have programmed him. I have taught him. I've I've trained him. And I think that also pertains to Baby Yoda a little bit in that we just assume because he looks like Yoda that he is automatically a, a, a vessel of, of for good. Um, also, I mean, if you've seen think, the guy, he's yeah, he the looks cutest really thing cute. in the world. He looks so cute. But uh, I don't think, I think there's the ability there to go the other direction mm. if he were he has in, say, the hands of Moff Gideon. Mm. So you think that's what the Empire wants with him? To turn him Possibly. to the dark But then Werner Herzog basically said, take what you can from him and yeah, then kill him. him. Yeah. So there's a little bit of inconsistency there as well. But maybe that's what Moff Gideon wants as well. Once he has the kid, then he's going to kill the client, take the kid for himself and then, and then use him as a weapon. Mm. Because if that, if that kid has the ability to force choke, to force heal, to maybe do force lightning, to do all sorts of stuff, maybe he's this pure distillation of the force and he can be manipulated, then he's a hugely powerful weapon. And he's got a little malevolent look on his face when he's doing it as well. It's quite chilling. And he did, I, and he, he was like trying last week to defend himself against that guy. And when the guy develops a hole in the chest, he has a moment of looking at his hand going, wait, was that me? So, you know, he's not 
He's not sure, pure. He's saying his, his inner monologue was going, unlimited power. <laughs> Maybe not quite that far. But there, there is some interesting chat this time about Baby Yoda's origin, because you get that discussion of, mm. is he a clone? And Quill's saying, you know, I've seen clones. He looks evolved, which was, I think, an interesting use of words. That wasn't a born, that was evolved. And I don't quite know where that leaves us on his origins, assuming that that line is there for a reason. Yeah, they seem to be steering him away from being something that's been engineered. Was that the word as mm. well they use? Like he's not necessarily that he's not a clone, but he's not been sort of created by somebody that he's not been engineered, yeah. I think is maybe the word they use. I had a quick question about the force choking. Presumably when Darth Vader's force choking you, you feel a fist, you feel like a hand grip. When it's Baby Yoda, do you feel just three tiny fingers like <laughs> crushing your windpipe? How does that work? That is a good question. Uh, yeah. I can't answer. I think maybe it's like maybe it's like it's in it's an inner crush. So you're, it's less your larynx mm. being crushed, like your throat, and it's more like the tiny air tube inside being crushed. Right. Mm. I think that's it, though. I think I think I think Baby Yoda and IG Eleven are both about nurture rather than nature, and I think that uh, you know they need to be shown the way. Uh, and a baby Yoda could could have potential. And for we know somebody who knows the way. Mm -hmm. We do. We absolutely do. Interesting enough, I um, when I interviewed John Favreau for the um, for the feature for this, I knew that I knew about a force healing component in in the Mandalorian because we talked about it on the Rise of Skywalker spoiler special. It had been the big hullabaloo about the episode being brought forward, so that people wouldn't go, eh, "What?" Huh? Uh, and I asked him about whether it was coincidence that both the Mandalorian and the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, have force healing in them and both of those things came out within days of each other and weirdly enough he you know whether you believe him or not he said that it was completely coincidental that they, it was something that they were working on at the same time um, and you know maybe maybe the way just things brought out they realised that there was force healing in this and so they brought it forward a little bit but uh, he was he was saying that no it was something that, that, that's been kind of in the in the canon in the mythology of Star Wars for a while and they wanted to have a go go at it in, in the show. I'm, I I feel I'm growing a beard longer than Qui Gon Jinn's at this precise moment. <laughs> Jinny reckon <laughs> the most beloved of all Star Wars characters, <laughs> Dickie Davis. Uh, but yes, I just thought this was a. Uh, I, I keep going back to this, but I thought this was a fun episode in terms of just the incidental details, little things like grief cargo. Whenever we we see him, uh, he still has a blaster hole in his jacket. Now, yeah. is that because he can't afford anything else? Because there's no more guild work to be to be had, or do people just like give a shit I, in the Star Wars? I think universe? he's attached to that jacket in the same way that Nelly is to his yellow puffer on Save Me. I think it's iconic. <laughs> it's part of his identity. He won't give it up. Yes, yes. Uh, what, what do we make of Grief Karga in this? We all expected the the double cross to come. Uh, we we see it a mile away. You you knew that was coming, but as soon as somebody is touched by the tiny pure hand of Baby Yoda, you knew that's got to change you as a person. That that's going to have a deep effect on you. Um, so yeah, I, I liked that moment. I thought it was pretty exciting when he turned around and shot the other two uh, the other two guys. Every it felt like every scene in this was peppered with something exciting or something some kind of exciting incident. I, I really liked that moment. Yeah, I think, I mean, you you absolutely predicted a double cross. Like, you know, Mando knew it was coming. It had to come. It just it was in his nature. It's the frog and the scorpion all over mm. again. Um, but at the same time, it was it was nice that it was the triple cross, the double, double, double cross, the quadruple cross, a multiple cross anyway, because it, it did give you that little tiny bit of a surprise. Although not much of a one, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I was glad he turned out to be good, mm, ultimately. I like him. Mm -hmm. I want yeah. to see more of him. I also thought this was, a, this was a great episode for Cara June, perhaps even a better episode for her than her first episode. Mm, I agree. Mm. Yeah, that fight scene was really, really well done in the bar. It was, um, especially because that is just an incidental part of the episode. It doesn't affect the plot in any way, but there was a, just a really well done brawl. It felt, had a real heft and a physicality to it. I liked the way that they were um, sort of using the tether between them mm. to sort yeah. of pull each other forward and backwards. And It's almost like she's a around. trained cage fighter. <laughs> that bit where she's on the floor and she has the guy pinned under her and then she does a backflip over him 
that is a great move that was that was good yeah. i enjoyed yeah. that uh but and just her grin throughout the fight like she's just yeah. enjoying it mm-hmm. like it's just a bit of fun it's not too serious yeah it kind of gives you a little bit of a character beat there mm-hmm. absolutely and when she sees the uh, the full extent of mando's armory and she has that little smile as well which is <laughs> which is really fun I, I i think those guys have got chemistry off the scale and uh i think if anyone is going to get to grips with mando's helmet and see the real face underneath it should be cara june I don't know. A, I feel like they're comrades in arms more than love interests at this point. Uh, I, really I, I wouldn't want to reduce her to the status of love interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she would ruin Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> so I should be like, no, this is the way. <laughs> oh, God. Any <laughs> relationship would be entirely on her terms. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to reduce her to that status at all. But I'm just saying those guys have got mad chemistry. So, yeah, go for it. There are also other things to talk about in this episode. Ben, you mentioned earlier on the Baby Yoda. There's a this is a very good Baby Yoda episode. I'm sure you have a list yeah. of things you want to coo about. Well, I knew this was going to be a good episode because literally the first thing when it starts, uh, like I said in a previous episode, I watched this with the subtitles on, and the first subtitle was in in those square brackets, <laughs> Baby Yoda snoring, and I was like, okay, I just knocked over my microphone in all the excitement. Um, <laughs> I knew it was going to be great from that point onwards. And then we get Baby Yoda flying the Razor Crest extremely badly. Oh my God. Yes. It's not that he goes straight into flying. It's that he hangs upside down and checks that they're busy. Oh and my then God. goes the to town head on the control panel. Down. Oh, so good. It was off the charts this week. Off the charts cuteness. Even when um, uh, when Kuil was trying to take him back to the ship and he's like huddled in the little blanket and his face is squinting eyes and his ears are flapping again. Oh, it was all the Baby Yoda goodness. It was amazing. Ben, have you, are you up to that? Have you seen the last episode? I haven't, oh, no. I, sh- I shall look forward to our next spoiler. The, the greatest oh, Baby Yoda moment is yet to come. Okay, in a, in a good way, not in a... It's not going to be like a trauma it's a therapy violent session death. where they've it's killed a violent, baby. violent death. He gets <laughs> eviscerated and then eaten unexpectedly by several stormtroopers. Yeah, it was... Uh, oh by a God. giant frog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. irony. What, what goes hey, around man. comes around. <laughs> Bitch is a karma, Baby Yoda. <laughs> that was karma is a bitch, but in yes, your speak, yes, 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 thank you, Chris. I wasn't sure if people had got that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is just a tremendous Baby Yoda episode. Well done, well done, little Baby Yoda. So Hooray. good, so good. Yeah, the little head popping down uh, when he's over here in that conversation was super, super cute. I loved it. I like the inclusion of the Death Star droid in the cafeteria. Who gets oh, yeah. destroyed as well? Oh, yeah. Although in this, I think he's called an RA seven, but the actual original toy was just called Death Star Droid, little figure. Do you think that is the droid from the Death Star, or is I, it just I suspect it, yeah, it's just a droid, isn't it? A model of that droid. Yeah. I looked up the purported um, Minox, and it just on Wikipedia, and it literally just says unidentified flying beast, so, or UFB mm. in my terms. They don't say that. <laughs> there we go, Wikipedia. It's a toy just waiting to be sold, guys. You got to you got to give that thing a name. Yeah. You got to package it and you got to sell it. Star Wars Day is upon us. May the fourth is nearly here. Hashtag May the fourth. Uh, hello to our Disney overlords. Yes, this podcast uh, now belongs to Disney because you use yes, the hashtag. Yes, I now owe them fifteen pounds because I said hashtag May the fourth. But uh, you know, hey ho! Note well, to Disney: you out, cannot guys. copyright a date or a hashtag or a hashtag. <laughs> yeah. Does this mean we might finally get some Babu Frick toys? Like, I'm, I'm delighted hey! at the sheer amount of Baby Yoda merch out hey, there, hey. but they are really slacking on the Babu Frick. Yeah. sort of purchasable I think, items. I think, Ben, we may be the only people who like Babu That can't Frick. be true. That can't be <laughs> no, true. He's no. great. There are dozens of us. Dozens. Um, <laughs> well, I by mean, the way, if they, made a, if they made a toy of Death Star droid back in the day, they can make a toy of Babu Frick. Right? Precisely. They've got a Klaatu Barada Niktu toys, for fuck's sake. I mean, make one of these flying dragons. Make one of Babu Frick, you monsters. Just a couple of last things I wanted to talk about. Um, the uh, I loved the gag of, as they're walking through the volcanic wasteland of uh, Dave Navarro, and they see we see this sort of shivering, starving dog creature. And then in the very next shot, they have dog creature on a spit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also liked that the bike scout trooper number two, who I presume is the one that A, speaks, and B, picks up Baby Yoda at the end, is played by Adam Pally. Now, Adam Pally is a very, very fine American actor and improv comedian uh, that we may know best as Gary from Iron Man 3. 
Oh, is that he's the guy? Is he the I I hate it here. I just work here. Is it that guy? No, Gary's the one who's obsessed with Tony Stark. So whenever he uh, when Tony's uh, at the you know Tony there's there's a beauty pageant and Tony needs to get a signal. Boosted the cameraman. signal, and he's the one who's even got the Tony Stark beard, and you know he's the cameraman. Uh, he goes, Gary loves Tony, and you know, and Tony loves, you know, all that sort of stuff. So he's he's very very funny. Uh, I saw him nice. do improv in New York a couple of years ago with um, the uh, President Show cast. Very very funny guy. But yeah, I think he's maybe in next week's episode as well because I remember uh, I read an interview uh, with him where he said he was terrified about handling the puppet mm. because the puppet cost five million dollars. And How you much? know, worth every penny. Five million dollars. <laughs> wow. Five million dollars. Apparently, that puppet cost. And still, Werner Herzog had to convince them not to CGI it out. That man is a hero. <laughs> He's the true hero of the Mandalorian. I see nothing but death and chaos <laughs> and store shelves lined with Baby Yoda toys and merchandise. That's what he says. <laughs> Anyway, uh, and also I noticed in the credits that uh, the IG perform IG Eleven performance artist is Rio Hackford, who we talked about in a few a uh, couple of episodes ago, who was the bounty hunter who gets killed at the beginning of chapter five. I've just remembered something. When I was at D twenty three, I seem to recall uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau were talking about how when they came to do this episode because there are more stormtroopers in this than they had before, they didn't have enough stormtrooper costumes. So they actually went to the 501. And so they're, they're fan-made costumes. They used 501 costumes for the stormtroopers in this because they just didn't have any, uh, which I think was a lovely touch. And I think the 501, they, they stood up and had a big old salute when they did that. It was either D20 or Celebration. It might have been Celebration. But uh, yeah, there you go. Nice. Well, we're on a few extra bits. I'd like to say I really enjoyed there are some good Star Wars insults this week to rank alongside Nerf Herder. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked Cara Dune saying, pay up mud scuffers. Huh. I liked mud scuffers as an insult. And uh, somebody else referred to Baby Yoda as a bog wing. Feels oh. like just good made up Star Wars mm. nonsense, but that just sounds vaguely insulting. Is that mud scruffers? I think it was mud scuffers. Scuffers. And she's the, and what's her term again? Drop trooper? Shock trooper. Uh, shock, shock trooper. Shock, shock trooper. trooper. Yeah. Was it shock? Are you sure? But somebody said something, there's something about like, it almost implies paratrooping, right? That she is kind of a part of an aerial force that comes in and destroys all. To bring Halo in. into this, is it ODST, orbital <laughs> drop shock trooper? Well, is that a, is that a thing or is that just in I Halo? I think it's the thing that it would, originates from Robert Heinlein's Starship Troopers. They had cap troopers and their little drop and they literally mm. drop in pods. It would sort of make sense then that she would have, you know, contempt for, or not contempt for, but she would use as a term of abuse, a term that refers to people being um, planetary settlers mm-hmm. kind, of th- kind of thing. So... I think it's, um, you're right, actually, yeah. I've just seen it here. Quill refers to Kara as a drop trooper, uh, confirming in more right, detail yes. what exactly a rebel shock trooper is. So, yeah, she's called by both. Mm. Um, okay, here's, a, here's a hot fact for you. Gideon's ship is known as an Outland TIE fighter. It is larger mm. than most single-person mm. TIE fighters, and its wings fold in a way reminiscent of the Imperial Lambda shuttle. Apparently, this is leftover concept art from uh, Doug Chang's concept art for The Force Awakens, and they used it in this. A foldy-winged TIE fighter. This would explain something I thought might be a mistake, which is that when he's on the phone, as it were, to Werner Herzog, uh, he seems to be standing up, which there never seemed to be room to do mm. in a standard TIE fighter. Um, so I was kind of a bit like, I'm sorry, was he on a was he on a, a bigger ship a minute ago and then he just jumped in his TIE fighter to come down? Good like question. what Maybe happened Maybe there's a there? Star Destroyer in orbit. Exactly. Well, I really liked at the very end of the episode how the the theme music was different. It was like a slightly more imperial version of the of the theme mm. music. So mm. it was it was like more downbeat because you're on a big cliffhanger ending, but it had more of a march sensibility to it. It was like halfway between the classic Mando music with a bit of a, the imperial march vibe, which I liked mm. with the the recent arrival of our new big bad, who clearly has a lot of um, a lot of Darth. imperial shit. Yeah. Darth Fring. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, time to finish this off with uh, not with a rendition of the Mandalorian theme tune as I was uh, on the verge of setting up. Every week we do it and every week we get it wrong, so maybe we won't do it this week. Uh, Instead, we're going to have some questions from listeners and we do have some good questions from listeners. Here's one from at Fat Neil, P-H-A-T Neil, 1979. If the Mandalorian was just a bog standard Western without the Star Wars skin... Would it be as good as it's hyped? Well, 
first off, it would be bog standard. I mean, you've literally just said it there in your... <laughs> So let's remove the words bog standard and just say, if it was a Western without the Star Wars skin, would it be as good as it's hyped? But I think I think it would work. If you imagine sort of it's mm. William Money and just a small child, you know, and he's going through the Old West, I think there's a compelling series there, absolutely. I mean, sure, most of the appeal here comes from the fact that it's fucking Baby Yoda. No human child can aspire to those levels of cuteness. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and also, the Star Wars trappings do give this a sheen. But I think from a story point of view, you know, it might not be as compelling or as, you know, resonant, but I think it would still work. Yeah, I think so. I agree with you. It's like what if you took this thing that was really enjoyable and then took away one of the reasons you enjoy it would you still enjoy it it's like I, uh, yeah i guess i would but it's even more enjoyable as it is now at gav hops on twitter uh, who slid into my dms unlike neil uh, did earlier on were you disappointed if Werner hartzog's character appears to be killed off personally i would have loved him to stay around for several seasons i just enjoy listening to him because mm. he kind of just gives such a spin on every single line that he says oh my god i've just thought you know how Patrick Stewart is doing a sonnet a day? What if Werner Herzog read bedtime stories during the lockdown for all the children <laughs> everywhere? They'd never that sleep would again. Be amazing. Yeah. This has to happen. But now. no, I, I don't. I don't really want, in a weird way, a lot of character development for that character. I don't want to see him grow or change or anything else. I just like him as he is, almost like a like an image like a painting and i i don't kind of, so if he if he was around for too long i'd probably get bored of him i feel like mm. at least he went out on maximum verna this week like his <laughs> yeah. final lines of dialogue his last few minutes on the screen was genuinely incredible every single word that came out of his mouth and the way that it came out of his mouth was uh, was a joy so i think it feels like everything in this series obviously mando himself is the core but everything around him other than i hope baby yoda who will stay around forever and never die feels sort of vaguely expendable in a way they're all orbiting him so i think the tone of the show already seems to be that these secondary characters will come in but they're not necessarily going to be around for a huge amount of time um mm. so just enjoy them while they're while they're there yeah this is only yeah. quill's second episode no third episode this is carajin's second episode so it's not like a conventional us tv show where you have you know your ensemble right from the off which i think mm. is interesting mm. Uh, question from regular contributor at King, and I still can't get this name right, King Olinaramus. King Olinaramus. Okay, I think I'm getting better. Do you think Mando is a tad too quick to trust people? <laughs> He's been double-crossed before, and he does prepare a little bit for it by getting the crew together, but he still seems surprised when Grief pulls the double-cross, or, you know, the triple-cross, I guess. I think in that moment, he's probably surprised that Grief hasn't actually betrayed him and he betrayed mm. the other people instead and i think that everything we've seen about mando through the series so far is that he knows there is a good chance at every turn that he's going to get double crossed but he's extremely capable of handling that when it happens so he can't help the fact that every situation he's in is probably going to turn bad he just knows that when it does he'll sort it out that feels like the vibe to me yeah me too i agree with that at Matthew R. Buck on Twitter says, I only know the main nine saga movies, nine saga movies, and, uh, and Rogue One. So I've no idea about the details of the far history of the Empire, knowledge of the Force and the galaxy, etc. Chapter 7 made me feel like I'm missing a load of info from the cartoon series or something. Any advice? I mean, Clone Wars is pretty good. You could watch Clone Wars. Um, and, and it is canon, unlike some of the, you know, the older books and, and mm. uh, some of the older, I think, video games as well. Yeah. Um, all that extended universe stuff was declared non-canon and then some of it's been gradually brought back mm. in. Um, but at the same time, I don't think you have to to enjoy this series. Like, I think wh where we spot these links to the Clone Wars and so on, you know, that's great. Or Rebels as well. Um, but I don't think you need it for this. No, part of it's down to Filoni's involvement in it, that he likes to drop mm. little references in. And the next episode uh, does that quite heavily. Uh, and I think people who are familiar with Rebels and the Clone Wars can maybe get more out of it. Uh, but other people, that's what Wikipedia's for. So, I mean, I've had to look up some of the stuff. Yeah. I'm not up to date with Rebels or the Clone Wars. And there were parts where I was mm. like, this feels like it has import. I must investigate. And lo and behold, it did. Yeah, they talk about the, the, the Mandalorians resisting the purge yes. and 
yeah. how you know things would be better off if they had just given them given into the control of the empire, uh, which I think is a Clone Wars. Well, the thing Purge I don't think Clone appears Clone in it. Like, there's a lot of Mandalorian stuff in Rebels, and there's, you right. understand more about Mandalorian politics in Rebels. And but I think the Purge Although, is is a confection of this particular show. I believe there is a current storyline, like literally right now, in the final season of Clone Wars, which is the Siege of Mandalore. Yes. So I think that's starting to tie into mm. this as well. But I don't watch any of the animated series. I'm quite intrigued now that Disney Plus makes mm. it super available. I have to say I'm not a huge fan of the animation style. I don't like the visual look of the series. But Did you watch the Gendy Tartakovsky ones? it's all out ones. there. Uh, what, no, the 2D ones. They looked great. Yeah, those were, they looked those really, were really good. Sort of Massage Ventress turns up for the first time in that. But... Yeah, I don't feel like I've massively missed out at the moment. It's just it's just extra embellishments, really, isn't it? If, mm-hmm. if you want that extra detail, it's there. But part of the point with the three separate trilogies of films is that there are these big gaps in the middle that are effectively probably the boring bits of relative peace and the Empire and the First Order sort of growing. And then you pick up when it gets good. Pick up for <laughs> regime change, mm. basically. Yeah. At Adrian Bain asks, if Baby Yoda, which has hilariously autocorrected as Yodel, can force heal, force choke, and force lift a 10-ton creature, why can't he force two stormtroopers off their pods? I think he's still a baby. I think, you know, given a bit of a run-up, he can kind of get his power in check and, and do the things. But we've always seen him have, have to take a moment to do that. Like, it takes him a moment against the, what's the big horn thing? The lo- uh- Mudlark. Mudlark. It takes him a moment against the Mudlark. It takes him a moment when he's um, pinned down by Richard Ayoade's droid. It, it takes him a moment to kind of find himself. He's not instantly clicking his fingers and wiping out half the universe. So I don't think he's that quick to react yet because I don't think he's that in control of his powers yet. I believe it's a Mudhorn. Mudhorn. That sounds mud right. Horn. Mud Why have I said Mudlark? It sounds, it sounds like, like a bird. A, a very bird. dirty bird. It is a bird. Oh, very, very, very <laughs> dirty bird. Uh, James is about to get out his mallet. Um, oh, oh, I know what Mudlarkin is. Mudlarkin is the act of scavenging a oh, river. Yes. I, I see, I live by the river and I see loads of people Mudlarkin every day. So there you go. Mm. Anyway, haha. I feel like whenever Baby Yoda uses his force powers as well, it's always been either. So he's especially bonded to Mando. And mm-hmm. when he did the, the mud horn mudlark mud thing that was when mando was about to die when he did the force choking that was when kara appeared to be threatening mando and when he was going to kill the rich diawadi droid that was when it was literally right next to him about to kill baby yoda so it was purely sort of instinctual self-defense so i feel Mm. like this situation is slightly different he doesn't have that same bond with quill and he probably didn't have a chance to process the danger he was in until he was already snatched Mm. so whenever we've seen him use those powers it's always been in sort of specific circumstances last question from at shortland uk asks is there an argument that this excellent episode could be the best star wars content of any form since the disney acquisition no (laughs) there really isn't I really enjoyed it, but that is that is kind of mad. Um, I'm really glad you enjoyed yeah. it as much as that. I thought it was yeah, a great episode, um, and I'm looking forward to the next one. But um, yeah, this this feels a bit like when people say that Rogue One is easily the best thing of the Disney era, and it's like I there is loads of good stuff in in Rogue One, but it's, <laughs> it really isn't. What do you think is? Are you both Last Jedi's? I, yeah, I love Last yeah. Jedi. I, I love Force Awakens as well. Force Awakens is pure joy for me. Uh, like I. I, I still haven't listened to the Empire spoiler special for the Force <laughs> Awakens for because I, I just know that Chris doesn't like it. And the when I every time I saw it in the cinema, I just came out on not even Cloud Nine, Cloud City. I came out like absolutely buzzing every single time. Um, so it holds a very very pure joyous place for me. Um, you, so yeah, you came I, out me, on Force a mining Awakens, colony mm. where you're going to be betrayed by your best friend, surrounded by oh Tabana gas, but in such style. <laughs> Might pick up a few capes while I'm there. Uh, um, yeah. But I, I will say, actually, this episode I thought was beautiful to look at. I thought it was one of the best looking episodes of the series so far. I thought Deborah Chow did a really, really great job with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, all the way through, I didn't know who, I don't know who directs each episode until it pops up at the end. Um, and I did find myself all the way through this this episode going, ooh, this one just has a real look and a feel. And like I said, every scene felt like it had something really exciting or intriguing or mm sort of entertaining about mm. it um so i did think it was very good well uh, but... tyker directs the next one yeah. his first uh, his first time behind the camera so that's mm. quite exciting 
Mm-hmm. And of course, nice. our, our good friend Favs, John Favs Favreau, he was back in the writer's chair this week and he will be back in the writer's chair next week as well for the final episode, which is simply entitled Redemption. I'm going to w- uh, weigh in um, to this little debate in that I think, I don't know if this episode is the best piece of Star Wars content since the acquisition, but I think The Mandalorian as a whole is. Interesting. I mean, wrong, but interesting. Um, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have, I don't entirely agree with that position, but I do feel like this is the kind of road that it needs to be taken going forward. 100%. It's like, this is moving away from the Skywalker family. It's moving away from these big ideas of destiny and, you know, bloodlines and all this kind of stuff. And and just playing with what is recognizably a Star Wars universe, um, but also in a way that sometimes the prequels didn't feel like they were. But it's also taking us to places we haven't been before, showing us things we haven't seen before and showing us a new angle and, and doing something new with it. So I think this is absolutely the way to go uh, that's not to say that i don't love kylo ren a lot mm. so you know I, I i quite like some of the the films we've had so far i think what's great is that disney has taken this in quite a lot of directions and there is something for every star wars fan out there so there will be people who don't like the sequel trilogy as much and they will get what they want from rogue one or from the mandalorian and there will be people who don't really have as much affection for the older stuff and gravitate towards the new trilogy and the amazing sort of representation that that brings the the sort of lead characters who you haven't seen in the Star Wars universe before let alone in many big blockbusters and then there's some people who for some reason really like Solo um, so glad you <laughs> like no it's fun it's fun it's fun Solo it's fine, is it's fine. fine. <laughs> but that exactly well that gives some people what they want from the sort of it feels like an old serial it feels like a sort of Saturday morning serial um, so that it, I, I do appreciate that Disney hey maybe they're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks but different things will stick for different people and it's it's good that that's all out there for different fans to enjoy so say all of us uh, because that is it for this week's Mandalorian spoiler special the penultimate Mandalorian spoiler special at least for the next few months until season 2 drops on Disney Plus join us next week for more Mandalorian related fun we'll be discussing the final episode of season 1 entitled simply and I wonder if this is a spoiler Redemption I mean, it could also be entitled Baby Yoda's Severed Head, huh. but maybe that's no! too much of a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but looking forward to talking about that one and, in fact, seeing the episode as well, because uh, like Ben, I am flying blind on that one. So very, very exciting indeed. Uh, but until then, until the suspicious occasion, until we meet again, in terms of other spoiler specials, keep them peeled for our Picard Season 1 spoiler special, which we're recording pretty much immediately after this and will be up uh, very, very soon indeed. And that features an interview that James did with Patrick Stewart. Um, I say interview, Mm -hmm. I imagine it's just gushing, lavish praise. (laughs) But yes, that's going to be up there very, very soon, as indeed is our Extraction Spoiler Special with uh, director Sam Hargrave. So keep and peel for those. Jimbo, there's also a survey we're asking people to take, isn't there? Uh, We're asking people who either subscribe to the Spoiler Specials or don't subscribe to the Spoiler Specials. If you're listening to this, you do subscribe to the Spoiler Specials. We want to know your opinions. We're three months in now to this, uh, this brave new world. What do you think? Uh, what do you think of the service? Are you happy with the service? Are you happy with the frequency? Are you happy with the price point? Do you think that the things could be improved? Who knows? And there's a special survey that you can take. And if you take it, you'll win like a million pounds or something. Isn't that? I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. As your, lawyer, speaking, as your lawyer. Uh, no. Something no. like that. Yeah. No. 250 pounds in Amazon vouchers. You will be in a draw That's to what possibly you. win. Uh, but there, I think yeah. we're at the very end. I think it, it, it's only live for another couple of days. So if you haven't done it yet, please go and do it now. We would very much appreciate it. Um, and Where can they go? Uh, they can go to empireonline.com forward slash podcast survey. All right. So there we go. So this is it. This is our last uh, show before Star Wars Day. So hashtag May the 4th be... Ah, that's another 20 quid, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, damn it. Uh, hashtag May the 4th be with you. Uh, and it is goodbye from... Oh, I haven't done the Star Wars names, have I? It's goodbye from Helen O'Hara, a.k.a. Mon Mothara. Explain yourself. I was trying to do a Mon Mothma, but kind of O'Hara, kind of crossover. It didn't quite work, if I'm honest. I tried. Look. Ugh. Anyway, bye-bye. <laughs> It is goodbye from Ben Travis, a.k.a. Baby Yoda Snoring. I would like to see the baby. That didn't work <laughs> either. <the> baby. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I feel like it needs to be breathier, like reedier, yeah, but I can't Give it to me. get that in my throat. I'm going to spend the next week practicing. Okay. So see good. you next week. All right. It's the worst baby Yoda impression huh. I've ever heard, but okay. <laughs> it is goodbye from James Dyer, a.k.a. And James, you brought the tone list down. I thought we've done it right this week. Moff Diver. I mean, I like Imperial officers, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit 1970s, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit... What's going a on short there? Short notice punning. That's all I can really put that down to. <laughs> um, yeah. All I will say is all I right. have spoken, unlike Queel, who can't because he's dead. Oh. Queel said nothing. For Queel. We never knew him. Him and his blargs. Blurg to blurgity blurgity. Uh, anyway, and it's goodbye from me, Greedo Shot Second. See what I did there? Continuum of Bounty Hunter theme. It's very clever. Yes, it's canonically, it really in my opinion, inaccurate. Anyway. <laughs> it's, it's true. No, that's not true. Well, uh, no, no. Uh, it, is, it is canonically, it is, it is technically accurate, but canonically, it's canonically inaccurate. canonically accurate. Hang on. Well, I'm very confused. I want to I wanna hear Fern Herzog say, McClanky. Oh, can you imagine? It's buried in the sound mix somewhere, just before the <laughs> bullet hits him. This was his last gasp. Once upon a time, there was a young princess who lived in a castle <laughs> surrounded by nothing but death and chaos. This must happen. Someone needs to make this happen. Good night, children. I want him doing the... Is it Tom Hardy at the moment who's doing the bedtime stories? I want Werner Herzog yeah, doing this week. So. Fucking make it happen. Make it, make it happen, Mandalorian. <laughs> Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Thank you.